Amen. Thank you, dads, for being here today. I am so glad that you are here. I love that earlier video of those uh, things you'll never hear dad say. Things like, kids sleep in, you don't have to go to church today. That was never said at my house. Once my dad became a believer, we went to church not only Sunday morning, but Sunday night and Wednesday night when he wasn't working nights. And then when he switched to working nights, he was the first one up on Sunday morning to get everyone else in the family up. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but about a year or so ago, I wrote a little article for the, maybe the little blog thing that we do. Elvie, you remember, my dad played Reveille. That's what I called it. And my brother and I shared a room. We were like young teenage boys at the time. And on Sunday morning, my dad would come into our bedroom, opening up the bedroom door, no knocking, just bang, doors open. He didn't know how to play an instrument, but he would do it like this. Rise and shine, we're going to church. And for a young teenage boy, I said, ah, shut off the music. I put the pillow over my eye. I want to go back to bed. Never happened. If you didn't get up right away, he went right over to you. I mean, <laughs> you just had to get up. But looking back on that experience days later through my growth and maturity, it dawned on me one day that my dad had been working all night. He probably didn't get home till 3 in the morning. By the time he got settled down and in bed, it was probably 4. And yet he was the first one up every Sunday morning getting the family ready to go and worship God. And I thank my father for that example. And dads, God bless you for the example that you continue to set in your families by being the spiritual leaders this morning. And so happy Father's Day. I love these special days. I think Father's Day is a great thing. I love all the gifts, the hugs, the all the stuff that goes with it. This afternoon we're going to be having a wonderful barbecue. My son and uh, the neighbors are getting together and we're going to just have a great, great time. But today I want to talk about David. David, a man after God's own heart. Not a perfect dad. He had some issues we'll talk about in a moment. But we should be men that want to have a heart for God. There are three reasons I want to talk about fathers today. The first reason is it gives us an opportunity to obey the Bible. By honoring dads today, talking about fathers, we're actually obeying the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your... What's the next word? Father. Well, what about mom? Absolutely. And mother. And you remember Mike on Mother's Day talked about moms that day and the God the example they said. He even talked about a little boy who God used probably because of a godly mother. Packed lunch. Being a father, I think, is one of the greatest experiences, one of the greatest privileges in all the world. I wouldn't take anything for the fact that I get to be a father and a grandfather. There's my little, hold him up real quick, come on. Timing to that, God, God planned that timing, just hold him up. If you don't do it, I will. <laughs> hey, little Clive. <laughs> this is Blake Tyler Rokas. He's two years old. This is the church that Grandpa preaches for. Can you say Grandpa? Grandpa. 
Pam Paul. He's on his way to the nursery right now. <laughs> go with Grandma. He's getting a little fussy. Uh-oh, uh-oh, there you go. Anyway, there, there are thorns that go with being a dad. But the roses, I tell you, far outweigh any of the thorns that go with being a father. Now, one of the thorns about being a father and now a grandfather is poopy diapers. I may have told you a few years ago, I may have been on Father's Day. My son, growing up, Corey, I had never changed a poopy diaper in his entire career of pooping in diapers. Not one. I could do the pee-pee, couldn't do the poopy. Thank God for mothers and grandmothers and whoever else was there. And on one occasion, actually, mom had to leave for about three hours and it was just me. And I said, if you do, you're in trouble. And he did, not two minutes after mom left. And I said, for three hours, buddy, you're in that. And to my shame, I'm saying this to my shame, all right? Don't, I'm not bragging here. I'm saying this is awful, Dad. I was not a very good father. And then I had one of those. I had a son that had one of those. I had a grandson. And then, about a month or so ago, my son calls me, hey, I want to take Holly out for her birthday, we're going to spend a few nights, we're going to go to Universal Studios, going out of town, would you mind, you know, letting Blake spend the night for a couple nights? I thought, are you kidding me? Great! I mean, you know what, I'm going to see him that often? And, and, and I go, when are you bringing him? He says, on Thursday night. I go, Wonderful. And then, uh, when you pick it up, sometimes Saturday afternoon, oh, Fantastic! This is going to be great. And then it dawned on me, because I'm going, I have all day on Friday, because Friday's my day off, but it's not Jane's day off. And it hit me. I'm going to have this kid for probably 10 hours or more, and in that 10-hour period, he probably will what? You know what? What am I going to do? This dilemma. I've never done that before. And so I prayed about it. The Holy Spirit convicted me, and I called my son, and I said, uh, Son, I've just been convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I just want you to know that I plan on being a better grandfather than I was a father, and if Blake does a dumper do, I will take care of it, all right? No sooner did Grandma go to work that, you know what, number two, and so, uh, okay, with God's help, I prayed again. Got him there, started to do this thing, and I could not believe anything so small could do something so big. <laughs> I mean, it scared me. But I got through it, and you know what? Really, guys, it's no big deal. If you've never done it, it's not a big deal. And I've done it many times since. Thank you, God, that fathers can grow, right? We're talking about David today. David wasn't a perfect father. You may not have had a perfect father. My father wasn't perfect. But I tell you what, the father that I grew up with turned into a very wonderful grandfather with my son. And I made a vow. I said, Lord, I want to be as good of a grandfather to my grandson as you were to my son. And I think all of us fathers feel that way. What is God like? You know the number one illustration of God in the Bible? You know what it is? A father... And when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you remember what he said? Jesus, here's how you pray. You say, our Father who art in heaven. Ooh, 
When you think of God, think of him as your father. That's your dad up there. You ever wonder, I wonder with all that God has to do, he's got to take care of all the billions of people on the planet, all the birds, all the animals, all the fish and fowl and all that stuff. Does he ever think about me? Have you ever had that thought? And then it dawned on me one day after having that thought, do I ever think about my son? Absolutely, all the time, even to this day. You remember picking your kids up from school? I remember I picked up Corey one day. He was, I don't know, about sixth grade or so. How was school day? Fine. Did you ever get that? <laughs> well, did you do anything special today? No. Did you learn anything today? No. <laughs> did you have fun? Ah, it was okay. Well, there was this one thing. I took first prize in the science fair project of the sixth grade class. You what? Tell me about this. I mean, I knew he'd been working on it, but, you know, first prize. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. And I, I go, what does that mean? And he says, well, they want, they want me to go to district, and I guess there's a district thing. that, the, And so he went to district with it and presented it. Took third prize in district in the science fair projects for all the sixth grade kids. You don't think I was interested in that? Absolutely. And so the next time you think that God's not interested in you, you just remind yourself as a father, you're interested in your kids. Well, God's interested in you just like that. And not just the good stuff. He's interested on your bad days. When you failed the test. When someone was mean to you. My son would come home from school, uh, first grade, famished. This is, he's a little guy. I go, why is the, I go, Jane, why is he so hungry? Don't you feed him breakfast? Don't you pack him a lunch? Yeah. Come to find out there was a bully stealing his lunch every day. You don't think we were concerned about that? Talk to your dads about the good stuff. Talk to your dads about the. And when you talk to your heavenly father, talk to him about, hey, God, today was a great day. But God, today I lost my job. Or God, today I really messed up. The hurts, the good things, the bad things. And haven't you noticed sometimes in life that good and bad happen on parallel tracks? It's not all good, it's not all bad. Good things are happening throughout the day, bad things are happening throughout the day. And they usually arrive about the same time. And so... Talk to your Heavenly Father, whether it's good or whether it's bad. The preschool children are dismissed to go to their class at this time. I thought we put that on the screen, but maybe we missed it. If you're preschool, would you? Uh, you're dismissed. Unless you just want to hear this wonderful preacher this morning, that's fine. Preschoolers are always welcome in our auditorium. And so talk to God. He's your Father. The second reason is to praise them. You can praise fathers into greatness. Most of us dads need a whole lot of help, don't we? We stumble and fumble and we fall short of what we ought to be. We'd all love to be a whole lot better. Well, you can beat on us and preach to us and belittle us and malign us, but about the best thing you can do for fathers is to praise them. You can praise them into greatness. Wouldn't you agree with me that 
when you want something done and you want to coax someone along to do it, you go a whole lot further with honey than you do with vinegar. Right? Well, let's treat dads that way. Number three, to make an appeal. Not just to obey the Bible, not just to praise dads, but to make an appeal for more godly fathers. I can't think of anything the United States of America needs more today than godly fathers. You say, well, what about godly mothers? Of course, it's the same side of the coin. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a nation filled first with godly fathers? All of our politicians were first godly fathers if you were a man and a godly mother if you were a woman. Wouldn't that be wonderful? All of our policemen, godly fathers. All of our professors in the universities and teachers in the schools, godly fathers. All the truck drivers and I don't care, all the ditch diggers were first godly dads, godly men at home. Wouldn't you agree with me that America would be a much better place? Well, I'm making an appeal today, this morning, to make that happen. Isn't it interesting? When God wanted us to know His nature, He spoke of Himself as a Father. Now, I understand there are some fathers worth forgetting. There are some fathers that brought nothing more than pain or stain or abuse in your life. But, you know, they're in the minority, I have found. And our Heavenly Father is not like any of those kinds of fathers. Now today I want us to look at David. David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, David's story, you recall Samuel anointing him to be king, and he was on track to be king. But he ran into some troubles. Was David a perfect man? No, we know David's story. And was he even a perfect father? Absolutely not, because you may remember His son Absalom tried to kill him and take his throne away from him. And I think a whole lot of the fault lay on David for not handling a family issue that he should have taken care of properly. And I want to bring up David today because all of us fathers fail as fathers. Right? And I want to take away a little pain. I want to take a little stain away from you this morning because... Even this man called David wasn't a perfect father, and yet he was called a man after God's own heart. You know, some of you say, well, my dad didn't always treat me the way I wanted him to. Well, maybe that's all your dad knew. Your dad had some baggage too. And, And he just did the best that he could do. David had some issues. But the good thing is David was on track to be the next king. Remember, they'd chosen King Saul, this tall man that looked good on the outside but was a lousy king on the inside. Wasn't a righteous man. But then David lost it all. Uh, First of all, he lost his job. We read here in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5, "Whatever, whatever Saul sent him to do, that's David, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. David was a military man. Not way down here, he was high rank. 
As a matter of fact, when he says, okay, go out there and conquer those evil people over there. Go over there and take on those guys. David was the general in charge. As a matter of fact, when it came time to build the temple, the permanent dwelling place, not just the tabernacle, but the temple for God, God says, David, you can't do it. And David wanted to so badly. He says, I'll raise up one of your descendants. Solomon would eventually build the temple. David's son. But God says, you just got too much blood on your hands. You know, I, 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 I need to expand the borders of my kingdom. And while Saul reigned, he expanded the borders of Israel to 6,000 square miles. But David, to 60,000 square miles. Whew. And is it no wonder that when he'd come back from victory after victory after victory on the battlefield, the people would welcome him home with his army with a parade and dance in the streets and sing things like, King Saul has killed his thousands, but David his what? Tens of thousands. And guess who's listening from the balcony window? Jealous King Saul. And that hacked him off. He didn't like David so much. So he fires him. He loses his job. Number two, he loses his wife. Who was David married to? King Saul's daughter. Remember, David's the giant killer. Saul says, man, I will make you a, I'll give you a great fortune. You can marry my daughter. And ends up marrying Michael, Saul's daughter. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. That's how, that's how hacked off Saul was about David. But Michael, that's his wife, David's wife, said to him, if you don't run... Oh, no, Emphasis on the word you. Not like, we got to go, honey. <laughs> hey, we got to get out of here. Because if we don't, dad's going to kill you in the morning. You'll be dead by this time tomorrow. No, it's you got to go. Not we got to go. She's not into this, uh, you know, uh, Ruth thing, you know, whether thou goest, I'll go. <laughs> Where you lie, I'll lie. Your God will be my God. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff. It was... Hmm, let me see. David and poverty. Daddy and still princess. Right? She ain't giving up her princess privileges. You better go, man, or dad's going to kill you. He loses his wife. And then he loses his best friend. Who was his best friend? Jonathan. Who was Jonathan? Saul's son. Isn't that ironic? The guy that's trying to kill David is Saul's, is David's wife, who's the princess, and the prince, Jonathan, is his best friend. And it came this parting time, they worked out a deal whether you know, David should run or not run, and they did the arrow thing, if you remember that story, and finally Jonathan and David get together. And the Bible says they embrace because they know that they have to part. The Bible says that David wept twice as much as Jonathan. He's losing his best friend. And he will never see his best friend again. As a matter of fact, Saul and Jonathan will later, down the road, both die in the same battle. And that's when David will finally 
get the throne. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town, and David never saw him again. And then he lost his dignity. Number four. Check this out. Remember, he's on the run. And where does he go to? He, he goes to Ashkish, Achish, king of Gath. That day David fled from Saul, and he went to Ashkish, king of Achish, king of Gath. Now that was a mistake. See, not all the neighboring communities were friendly to Israel at that time. And notice, this is a little king. And all these clans back in that time had little... The head of the clan was kind of called the king. And so David's kind of in enemy territory, but where else is there to go? He's got to flee Saul. And so he runs, and while he's there, he's, they bring him before the king. They grab him. They, they lay hands on him. And they go, what should we do with this guy? And David, in order to save his own life, acts like a wild, crazy man. He had to stoop that low to save his life. He's in a bind. He goes, how am I going to get out of this? God, I need some help. I need some divine intervention. And God says, okay, act like you're nuts. You know, right? And he begins to do exactly that. Notice it says, that day David fled from Saul. Well, we know that part. And so he pretended to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard, the text says. Whew. He's stooping pretty low, but he saved his life. They evidently thought, you know what, this is, rather than kill this dude, this is going to be the greatest show in town. The guy that killed his tens of thousands, we got to watch act like a nut every day. This is going to be the greatest show in town. And they let him live. And then finally he loses his mentor. Who was his mentor? Samuel, wasn't it? You remember Samuel, his first encounter. The first time this little shepherd boy meets Samuel was when he was a ruddy youth. And God tells Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house because... The next king, Saul had so blown it that God says, I'm going to raise up another king. And when Saul's gone, this new king will be the one that has a heart for me. So go to Jesse's house because he's got some boys. And one of his boys is going to be the next king. When you get there, I'll tell you which one it is. And so Samuel goes. He says, Jesse, guess what? You just hit the lottery. One of your kids is going to be the next king. He goes, great. And so he brings in his boys and... And, and Samuel's looking at, woo-hoo, must be Shema, must be this, must be that one. And God says, no, 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 don't look on the outward appearance. Evidently, he had some good-looking, strong boys. He says, don't look on the outward appearance, because God looks on the heart. And what's David called? A man after what? God's own heart. And so he goes, God says, nope, nope. Nope, right on down the line. And now Samuel's puzzled, right? Because they're going to have a big banquet. Once I anoint one of your sons king, we'll sit down and have a big feast, and the feast is ready. You know? He says, it's eat. And they say, no, we're not eating. 
you happen to have any other boys? He goes, well, just one. Just a ruddy youth. He's a shepherd boy. He's out back. You know, we don't even let him do much but tend the sheep. Well, go get him. And they bring him in. God says, that's the one. And he anoints him with oil. He's in line to be the next king. And then all this stuff starts happening. Loses his job, his wife, his best friend, his dignity. And, and he meets up with Samuel one last time and says, Samuel, what's going on? Remember, Samuel was his mentor from the time he was a little guy. And Samuel's now old and gray and says, I, David, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is this. God said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. Hang on to that. When your life has fallen apart, hang on to the promises of God. Amen? You're a child of God. You're going to live forever. You're going to live in eternity and glory. I don't care how bad life gets. And David's life was pretty bad. Hang on to the promises of God. The text says, 1 Samuel 25, 1, Now Samuel died, and all Israel mourned for him, and buried him in his own town of Ramah, and David never saw him again. What can a man of God do when he's in a mess like this? In the midst of all of this, he wrote a psalm. Do you see it up there? He writes a psalm about God's goodness. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. He knows something about affliction, doesn't he? Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. Ever feel like David? He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Take hope in this. And I love this next verse. Through all these troubles, he writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, we sometimes get tiny little irritations, small little problems. And we think our whole world's falling apart. Look what David went through, and yet he looks to God and says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The second thing he does, I'm going to read this verse, and I'm going to have a prayer for the guys, and I'm going to let you go enjoy your Father's Day activities, is he maintained his integrity. Psalm 34, 19-22 says it just like this. A righteous man may have many troubles. Any righteous man here want to give a testimony of your troubles this morning? I mean, you're going through some stuff. I know you are, because all of us are. Every person. This is not heaven. This is earth. And on earth, you're going to have trials. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have tribulations. A righteous, doesn't mean you're not righteous, does it? A righteous man. You ever say, oh, well, God must be doing this to me because I did X, Y, or Z. No, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. 
Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm 62 years old, and I will probably have more troubles every day of my life and some good stuff too because they run on parallel tracks until the day I die, right? That's this planet Earth. But I'm looking to heaven. I'm looking to home. This is a temporary dwelling place. And I think sometimes when you're going through a mess, dads, and even when you kind of fail as a father and you mess up, Remember, God still loves you if you've got a heart for God. If you're trying to do the right thing, God can even work with that. And so I just want to encourage dads today. God sees you as mighty men. Mighty men of valor. False and all. If you've got a heart for God. And now I just want to end with, I'm just calling this a prayer of blessing. For the fathers, I'm going to pray this prayer and then I'm going to dismiss you to go enjoy your Father's Day activities. When this prayer is over, you can go enjoy your day, dads. Thank you for coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may every man, woman, boy or girl make up their minds today to have a heart for you. Help us to be men and women of integrity in spite of our failings. Help us all to have the guts to say, you're my God and I'm staying faithful even during the hard hard times. And now I want the dads to do something special. I just want every father in the audience to just please stand. Just the fathers only at this time. I want to pray for you especially. If you're a dad, father, grandfather, would you just stand Now, you may not feel like standing. Some of you say, I just don't feel like a great father. I don't deserve to stand. Yes, you do. Stand up. I want every father to stand right now. You may have failed in many ways. We all do. But even David took a ragtag group of misfits and outcasts and made mighty men of valor out of them. God used them as well. If you're trying to do things God's way, That's how God sees you this morning. No, you're not perfect, but He sees you as a mighty man because you're trying. You've at least got a heart for God. God sees you not as you are, but maybe even what you can become. Remember Peter? Peter was that wishy-washy disciple who was very compulsive and tempestuous. He was a cuss and seller. And um, even... He even denied the Lord three times. But Jesus called him a rock and made a stable one out of him. He praised Peter into greatness, and God wants to praise you into greatness today. You may be a Peter in the making, a diamond in the rough. If you want God to bless your lives today, dads, to make you a man that you can become, then just receive this prayer, because I'm going to pray this on your behalf, and at the end, if you want to receive it, amen it as your own. In your own heart, say, Father, I want to be a man of God. 
and a godly father to my children. Help me to become a mighty man of valor and, and not retreat when life gets tough. A man who has the guts to maintain his integrity even during the hard times. Help me to face life with faith, knowing that you are on my side and by my side. Forgive me when I fall short. Help me to get up and keep on keeping on until you return for me and my family and take us all to heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now everybody stand and go out and make it a great day. God bless you.